This is a Stand Up Labs production, powered by digital media. Mandatory Samson podcast number 87. We're talking about climate change, Fallujah, CIA losing some weapons that were intended for Syrian rebels, Hillary Clinton and WikiLeaks, the Supreme Court and abortion, a 2016 update. We also talk a little shit about Brexit, even though we don't really know what we're talking about, right, Joey? Yes, we do. All right, so stick around. It's so good. Samson Podcast, Stand Up New York Labs, Christopher, Patrick Flannery, Joseph, Anthony, Noe. Hi, Joey. Hi, Chris. Oh, a little sing-songy response back to me. Beautiful. Uh, we're also being produced today by Johnny. Sweet Johnny. Say hey to the people. What's up, everyone? No, we talked about this. What, 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 it was like, hey-ho, or whatever. Oh, you we went did. with uh, hey now. Hey, hey now. now. That's right. There we go. All right. Thank you, Johnny. Uh, hi, everyone. Welcome to the program. We have a diverse array of topics to cover today, including Joey, but not limited to Brexit. There's a lot on that. A little bit. We're going to talk a little bit about it. Uh, I got an, an interesting climate change little roundup that we're going to get into. Fallujah, just kind of a quick hit out of there, but interesting stuff. CIA and Syrian rebels. Mm. Interesting stuff. There was a New York Times article that I read. Uh, very interesting. It's also going to tie into the whole idea of regime change and why it's very important to think out these different interventions that Americans get get involved in. Uh, so we'll talk about that in a little bit. Hillary Clinton and WikiLeaks. You think this email thing is ever going to go away? We'll get to it when we get to Hillary. How about that? Okay. Uh, we also have the Supreme Court and an abortion ruling that's um, v- crucial and I think important and probably the right decision on the part of the Supreme Court. And we also have a frustrating 2016 update that we're going to get into. That's packed. Yeah, dude. We got a packed show. I want to say this with no episode next week. Okay. I, I mentioned it at the end of the last episode. I'm mentioning it at the beginning of this one. MSP 88 will be coming out July 15th, okay? Mm. So don't be surprised when you don't see a, an episode out next week. All planned, all part of the master plan that we have going on because you're going to be on vacation. Yep. Uh, and then I'm actually traveling as well. So it's just easier. We'll take the week off and then we'll be back strong as ever, good as new the following week. Friday, July 15th will be the next episode of MSP, MSP 88. Nice. You ready to get into some stuff here, Joey? Yes. All right, so... I, the Brexit, this this thing, which I got to imagine a lot of people weren't really paying attention to up until you know last week at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, I was. I'm not going to say that I was like studying it, but obviously it was on my radar. I didn't bring it up on last week's episode because I didn't believe that they were actually going to leave the European Union. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was wrong about that, so I, I obviously would have given you guys a heads up. But after 43 years in the European Union, British voters chose leave over remain. By a 52 to 48 margin. It's a close margin. Not really. I mean, it's a pretty good swing. 52 is like a legitimate majority, you know? Uh, Nigel Farage 
who is uh, from the UK Independence Party, is one of their leaders. He says the the dawn is breaking on an independent United Kingdom. Let June the twenty third go down in our history as our Independence Day. Pretty good accent. Yeah, pretty good accent. Except I think it might be remembered for all the wrong reasons. Well, we'll we'll see what ends up happening. David Cameron, who's the prime minister, has resigned in the wake of Brexit. He just he came out very much in favor of staying in the European mm-hmm. Union, and now that that didn't come, he's like, oh, I'm out. It. I'm just going to leave. Um, a two-year European Union exit negotiation begins shortly, although the process could take much longer, if at all, because the vote, which I feel like is being lost kind of in American media, uh, isn't binding in any way. Oh. It's not a legally binding thing. They voted, and they can just be like, nope, sorry, we're staying. So it's just a suggestion. Yes. Well, it's, you know, this is what the people have voted. Does it mean they actually have to do it? No, and it wouldn't be the first time that a democracy didn't do what the people wanted. Um, Article 50 is what it's called. The Article 50 Declaration hmm. hasn't been made yet. That's like to start the process of actually unwinding uh, from, from the European Union. Former London mayor uh, Boris Johnson had this to say. He was rumored as a successor to David Cameron, mm-hmm. but now he's taken his name out of that, that arena. So uh, who knows who's actually going to take over. But this is what he had to say upon the occasion of the leave vote. Uh, here he is. Let's hear what he has to say, Joey. I want to begin this morning by uh, paying tribute to David Cameron, who has spoken earlier from Downing Street. And I know I speak for Michael. In this guy, Bart Johnson, has got silly hair. <laughs> it looks like Ric Flair. <laughs> got his hair messed up. How sad I am that he has decided to step down. But obviously, I respect that decision. I've known... David Cameron for a very long time, and I believe he's been one of the most extraordinary politicians of our age. In voting to leave the EU, it is vital to stress that there is now no need for haste, and indeed, as the Prime Minister has just said, nothing will change over the short term, except that work will have to begin on how to give effect to the will of the people and to extricate this country from the supranational system. Yesterday, I believe the British people have spoken up for democracy in Britain and across Europe. And I think we can be very proud of the result. All right. Uh, Thoughts on Brexit in in general, Joey? Because I I don't know. I think a lot of it's being overblown. They're like, the world is going to fall apart now. And I, uh, I guess I was talking to somebody on snapchat or whatever i was talking mm-hmm. to someone I, I apologize i don't remember exactly where or, or who it was but oh maybe it was in the comments actually on soundcloud the point being it was like equating trump to now now that brexit happened does this mean trump can win all this stuff which i'll get into in a minute mm-hmm. but what are your thoughts on this um i think what ended up happening with this was this is this was a one more was basically one main issue which i feel immigration is that issue and that's why a lot of them voted to leave because they were afraid of the whole refugee situation. I guess. I mean, that's that's sort of the implication with, you know, oh, now that this happened, can't isn't Trump going to be the president? Like, maybe. I mean, there's probably an element of nationalism, a uh, little bit of xenophobia, but I, I think there's just so many bigger issues at stake. Like, 
this has been going on forever for decades and decades. The, the idea of joining, not joining people want out. Like, I don't know. I think there's just too many factors at play to really necessarily say that this is just because of that. You know, I mean, at a certain point, it is maybe just an economic thing or whatever. Germany dominates the European Union because they're they're uh, manufacturing. So, you know, Britain is at a as as at a disadvantage. They're always going to kind of be in second place to Germany. And again, this is coming from somebody I don't really follow it. I had to look up how the pound works with the euro. I don't mm-hmm. even understand how they have two currencies kind of working at the same time. It's confusing to me because I'm not in that system. So, I don't know. I think a lot of people came out with that idea. And I think that's, I guess, an American media thing that people are talking about, but who who knows what's going to happen. The, the security aspect is something that I think needs to be looked at because now if you have all these fractured States, as opposed to one union together with kind of the same idea about how to control whatever terrorism, illegal behavior, whatever you want to call it, then maybe certain things are going to fall through the cracks and you'll, you'll have more of an opportunity to do harm um generally but i I really the the impact of the united states is probably pretty small i would imagine the the interesting thing though is this isn't the first vote they've had to withdraw from the union they actually had one back in 1975 well 75 but that's what i'm saying so right so okay was donald trump responsible for that vote what was how did that vote go uh the remaining side one was 67 percent. 67 okay but when was the european union put in place it's uh, for, well, it's 43 years, years. right? Yeah. So that's a sort of new thing in the seventies at that point, mm-hmm. you know, it's only a couple, you know, a decade in or something like that. Um, I mean, I can't do math, but whatever you get it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, that makes sense, but I mean, 67, you said, mm-hmm. yeah. All right. So, I mean, things flip, flip quite a bit, but obviously that that's a long time coming. That's not just like overnight. This has been something that's decided. And it's also not, again, going to be something that, that unravels overnight either, if if at all. No, right now, there is a petition going around to have a second referendum. Right, yeah, they shouldn't do that. But. And 3.3 million people have signed on to that one. And, and I'm assuming these are people that want to remain. Yes. Yeah, I mean, we'll see what happens. Uh, again, you get into like a weird situation then because now you're creating, you know, two. Then you're becoming very divisive. Obviously, it's divisive a little bit, but then you're encouraging people to start making claims about, you know, immigrants and all this shit mm-hmm. to really try to get the people that voted initially to leave to stay on that side. You know, it's going to create a, a kind of a, a conflict in society as though there wasn't already one. But right, so Scotland's in a conflict right now. Okay, nation of five million people. Yeah, they voted. 62% to 38% to stay in the Union. The European Union, yes. right. But they're already in the United Kingdom. Yes. So, so, so do you think they're going to ind- you know, have their own independence day and then join the EU? Maybe. I mean, they voted. Scotland Didn't Scotland vote within the last couple of years whether they were going to go independent or not? Mm-hmm. They didn't. Uh, maybe. I mean, that's stuff you got to keep your eye on. I don't know. I mean, I think I think naturally, though, when you start getting to a point where you're like, well, fuck the British now, like we're the Scots, we're going to do our own thing. Like mm-hmm. that's where the problem comes. And that's why the whole idea of the European Union is, is an, an interesting idea to begin with, because at least now they all feel like they're part of a thing. But if people start breaking out, then, you know, conflict obviously naturally occurs there. But that's not this. But that's been the norm forever. Yeah. The European Union is is the the outlying factor. It's only been, you know, roughly 50 years. Europe has never been united really. You know, no. there's been alliances, but 
So, you know, that that's the thing. And and I, that's why I kind of go against the idea that this has to do with Trump somehow. Trump is parroting a lot of Republican orthodoxy, a lot of same old Republican ideas that we always talk about. And he's hearing what the dumbest minority of people in the United States want. And that's what he's he's putting into a megaphone. But it doesn't mean that that's really how everybody feels. That and it true. certainly doesn't. I mean, I, Trump does not speak for Europe. That's insane. <laughs> You know, like, I, I just don't think he has that much to do with it. Yeah. Now you're right. He d- definitely doesn't have much to do with it at all. No. But you're going to have the media portray that it's going to affect his policies and he's going to get votes on it. Well, yeah, that's what they're going to say. But but meanwhile, ask yourself this question. When was the media was talking about Brexit two months ago? Mm-hmm. No, they started talking about it last week when it happened because it's like very reactionary media. There's no... You know, there's no forethought to any of the shit. It's like, oh my god, this thing happened. It's the worst thing that ever happened. Can you believe this? We're all screwed. Trump's gonna be president. Ah, oh, the know, money's like, gone. Oh my god, the pound fell to its lowest price in 31 years. Who cares? That doesn't really affect anybody here. It doesn't. I'm pretty sure, like, eventually down the road, some of the trade agreements would have to be redone. But then again, it depends on how much stuff we actually get from the UK. Of course. Well, I mean, I'm sure we have. Uh, you know, I don't. I can't necessarily speak to that. I'm sure we have a good relationship with them, but. Yeah, I mean, it's not like it's going to... The, the global industry is not going to fucking grind to a halt because of this. It's just... They're just Great Britain now. It's not They're not part of the European Union. That's more of a European problem, again. So for people in the United States to start acting like they know a shitload about it, I'm not pretending to do that. Like, we'll see. We'll see what happens. I don't know. That's it. So anyway, I figured we had to bring up Brexit. Obviously, yes. that's what everybody's fucking talking about. Uh, you want to do this climate change thing? Yes, I do. This is uh, not a good one. Watermelon snow, Joey. What do you know about watermelon snow? I would have not used the term watermelon. I, w- I was actually going for blood snow. Okay, that's fine. Uh, watermelon snow, blood snow, whatever you want to call it, is red algae. It's a phenomenon where red algae blooms on frozen water. Uh, and this frozen algae is growing faster due to Arctic melting, creating a vicious cycle of growth and melt. According to a nature communication study, the presence of the red algae lowers the snow's albedo, Joey, which is its ability to reflect as opposed to absorb light. Light is absorbed as as heat. And if ice is absorbing light as heat, what does that mean for ice? It's melting. Yes, that's correct. And that's actually what we talked about a couple of weeks ago when we were talking about the wildfire, uh, the wildfire. It's like Game of Thrones, the the forest fires that are Mm -hmm. taking place. All that ash and smoke that goes into the air ends up on ice as black soot, which absorbs heat, uh, which absorbs light again as heat. So that's known as the albedo, hmm. which I didn't know that. I, that was a word I just learned today. Um, I got a couple of quotes in the email here, and let's read it. This is from the study, the Nature's Communication Study. As we infer from our data, data, melting is one major driver for snow algal growth extreme melt events like that in 2012 when 97 percent of the entire greenland ice sheet was affected by surface melting are likely to reoccur with increasing frequency in the near future as a consequence of global warming moreover such extreme melting events are likely to even further intensify the effect of snow algae on surface albedo and in turn melting rates so that's a fancy way of saying what i said it's a vicious cycle Mm -hmm. the more this stuff crops up the more likely it is that this stuff is going to melt quicker because the the algae itself is, you know, helping uh, the al- lowering the albedo. Do you think it's a sign that it's the, actually the color red? 
No, I think that, that might be a coincidence, is, but yeah. we could, you know, we could say, oh my God, the Arctic is bleeding to death. Oh. We're ruining the planet. We can get very dramatic about it. Uh, Steffi Lutz or Lutz, who's the, the lead author from the University of Leeds, says the algae need liquid water in order to bloom. Therefore, the melting of snow and ice surfaces controls the abundance of the algae. The more melting, the more algae. With temperatures rising globally, the snow algae phenomenon will likely also increase, leading to an even higher bioalbedo effect. So again, they're all saying the same thing. And... That's the thing that pisses me off when you hear people that are against climate change or think it's a hoax. Yeah, all these people that you've never heard of that are definitely not getting rich off of this, mm-hmm. but just spend their days studying algae on snow in the Arctic, they're telling you what the reality is. Yes. They're not paid off. We can pretend that they're just making this up for profit. You know how you always hear about all these climate scientists sitting high on the hog, driving around in, in Rolls Royce. It's like, no, it's such a stupid idea. The, these people spend their time doing these studies and they know what, what they're talking about. And not to mention, it's science. It's proven fact. Well, it's the, it's the attempt at proving things. Okay. That's the thing. You know what I mean? It's like, that's the pursuit of the truth, the factual truth. They're not trying to, and yeah, of course, like in any industry, I'm sure there's people that are, not doing the work correctly or whatever and fine and they get weeded out but that's what the whole peer review process is that's why it's sort of a foolproof thing you do a study johnny does a study i do a study we all share the studies our colleagues read it and we go yeah this one's this is right this is plausible and this is a, a, a true thing that's how it works there's scientists that get paid off by Exxon to say that, no, climate change isn't a real thing but what we've talked about on this podcast before that happens but then we also have their internal documents where they're like, no, this is definitely happening. We gotta we gotta do something about it. We gotta prepare for the eventuality. Well, also that's the other thing, is that we're never focusing on how to fix it either. No well, I mean that's that's the that is the anti climate agenda of if we don't if we're constantly arguing about whether it's real or not. Nothing's getting done. Then, then we're, we're not even coming close to affecting the industry that we're defending with this anti-climate bullshit. If we're just, we can't even get past the fact that like, no, it's not real. You can't even have a, a remote chance of trying to solve the problem, which is what they're really trying to avoid. They don't, the, cli- the, the oil industry or whatever, they understand that it's real. There, there's no doubt about that. We read the Financial Times mm-hmm. article. As, like people that are in the know know that it's happening. They just don't want to give up the profits they're making yet. But they're going to have to do it eventually or perish. That's, that's the reality, you know? It's blood uh, money, bro. It's, it is. Write that down. It's blood snow money. Maybe that's what we'll call this okay. episode. Uh, also, just as an aside, Germany has approved a fracking ban after years of debate. Oh, nice. Good job, Germany. Yeah. So Germany, the most industrialized nation, you know, in the European Union, probably, you know, top two in the world in terms of economic manufacturing, all that stuff is also now going, yeah, we're not going to destroy that. We understand fracking's not good. We shouldn't do it. They're banning it. And that's not even a, 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 a citizen vote. That's their government. They've been debating it. They made a choice and that's it. And they're not doing it. Hillary Clinton won't say one way or another, whether she'd get rid of it. Bernie Sanders. No, I do not support fracking, but yeah, unfortunately we're not going to get Bernie in there and Trump Christ knows who knows what he's going to do. He's going to build like an oil pool in the middle of the country <laughs> that everybody can go swim in. Uh, okay. So that's what I got to say. Thoughts on that, Joey? I mean, I like to bring this. I like to bring the climate change stuff up. Yes. Pretty often. It's a real thing. And that's don't even waste. The, the, you brought up a good point. It's like nothing's being done because we're arguing about whether it's real yeah. or not. Don't bother having those arguments. If, if somebody is not going to just 
look at a fact like these studies and things like that and go, okay, I see that this could be a thing. To what extent? I don't know how much we're affecting it. I don't know. But if they're not even going to acknowledge that it's a real thing, don't waste your time. Talk to people that maybe understand that it's real, but they don't know what to do about it or what policy. Deal with those people. Just stop even fucking having the argument because you're just not going to get through to certain people. That is absolutely true. And what scares the hell out of me is how much of it is a vicious cycle. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. Well, right. I mean, that, and that is the that is the nature of the beast for sure. And 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 that's what becomes even more frustrating because you tell somebody that doesn't believe in in climate change or doesn't think it's a real thing that's happening or a problem, you tell them this thing about the algae, and they're like, "So the algae's been around forever." But it's like, okay, maybe in smaller doses. <laughs> but now Not as it's cropping it's up, right, with the heat, like it's so obvious how things are interconnected. But if you disavow it completely. Nothing's obvious that now you just have a ton of puzzle pieces just strewn across your floor and you don't really understand what's happening. We're trying to put the puzzle pieces together here. And I think a lot of people listen to the podcast do understand that and yeah. can at least acknowledge that there are puzzle pieces. That's true. But sometimes we have to remember that there's a little clock that's running. Yeah. It's, a, it's called the, uh, we'll call it the doomsday clock. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. The, yes. And it, and it's going to affect the weakest amongst us. It's always the people that live in like the low lying coastal areas. These people that live in like little villages or whatever that fish and all this stuff, they're going to get destroyed. They're just going to get wiped out everything. And you know, lower Manhattan's going to be underwater, but Christ knows we're probably just going to build a huge metal dam around it and we won't have to worry about it. But yeah, absolutely. Fallujah, Joey. We've mm -hmm. been talking about this with ISIS, the battle for Fallujah between the Iraqi army and ISIS According to a senior Iraqi commander named Lieutenant General Abdul Wahab al-Sadi, he says that ISIS has been entirely routed from Fallujah. It's a bold claim. <laughs> it is a bold claim. It could completely be a lie. 1,800 Iraqi soldiers have been killed in the conflict. Um, and then I also have this quote from a local council spokesman named Salam Ajami al-Halbusi, which is a Tough name to get through, but it's beautiful. The percentage of damage in several areas of Fallujah after they have been liberated from ISIS control has been estimated to be around 30%. The damages were caused during the organized terrorist operations. ISIS used thousands of IEDs, which are improvised explosive devices, um, and hundreds of booby-trapped vehicles. ISIS also booby-trapped the houses of the army and police members, tribal leaders, and everyone who objected to the terrorist organization's ideology. I would like to know exactly how they did that. Like, what was there a list and they said, check, 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 check? Or is it a thing where it's a closed community and everybody knows what everybody else is up to? Well, I mean, we've established before that ISIS has a pretty, you know, if they're good at one thing, it's it's being organized. They have a lot of different divisions. They they have a ch set chain of command that people know who, who's in charge of what and blah, blah, blah. So yeah, they just they probably have a booby trap department and they're like, "All right, buddy, get get to work." Because who's going to stop them? It's not like there's surveillance everywhere in Iraq. It's kind of a disaster, especially when you get to these places where 30% of the whole city is destroyed. Think about your hometown if you're listening to this podcast. Figure out what the the square mileage of your of your town is on a map and then just cut a third of it off. Destroyed. So any random third in that area destroyed. That's what happened in Fallujah. I think that gets more exciting if you put the th uh, the exciting. thirty percent in the middle, Joey. In the middle. What do you mean? Oh, like just through the center of town? You're yeah, saying? because yeah. that's kind of what's happening in Fallujah. It's like everything's getting destroyed in the middle. Yeah, absolutely right. It's not like there's like suburbs of Fallujah. It's like you know everything's probably pretty centrally located. Um, 
So, okay. I mean, we'll see. I don't know. Did they actually route ISIS out? Potentially, obviously, this could continue on to Mosul, continue on to Syria even. But it does seem like ISIS hasn't been doing a ton lately. We can pretend that they've been involved in a lot of these suicide attacks and all this stuff, but maybe. I I think they're busy trying to make their videos and getting everything ready. Yeah, because that's what they were. That's really where they derived their power from. It's yeah. the Wizard of Oz. Like when you look behind the curtain, you go, "Oh, it's just like this little dude with a megaphone, and like a bunch of smoke and mirrors." ISIS is not really this powerful organization that they they are portrayed as, even in our media, or that our politicians are like ISIS is the greatest threat to you. No, they're not. We're the greatest threat. <laughs> like our fear and our militarism and adventure, like. That's the biggest threat. ISIS is like a little group of people that aren't attacking us. Even in Istanbul, which was big news this week, which I don't, you know, I didn't write a ton about it, mm-hmm. but th- where do the attackers come from? They came from Russia, Kyrgyzstan, Uzbekistan. They didn't come from the Middle East. None of these people are coming from the Middle East. Yeah, they're not associated with them at all. No, they they have nothing to do with it. So that that media narrative is insane. It, it is fear-mongering at its best, and it's simple. It's very basic reporting. Instead of explaining the intricacies of this st- stuff, we don't do it. Just go ISIS. It's just really easy. It's 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 slang. It's shorthand for the sloppy corporate media. Well, not only that, but you all that that message also gets reflected by certain agendas in politics. Well, that's especially on the one side that automatically gets to repeat what the me what the media is feeding everybody. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's a feedback loop on the right for sure. I mean, it's not to say that there isn't one on the left, but we we you can see a very clear pattern. Excuse me, between some some right wing radio guy says one thing, it gets picked up on Drudge Report, it gets picked up by a bunch of Congress people. Those Congress people go on Fox News, that becomes the nightly news, mm-hmm. and then it becomes a thing that's true when it's really based in nothing. But that's the feedback loop, and that's the problem. And that's really the problem when you talk about climate change too, because you got a bunch of people that agree with each other, or they 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 are invested in whatever the the oil industry has to say, and then that becomes the narrative. And everything else from the outside becomes the lamestream media. And you don't listen to them and you can't listen to people mm-hmm. on the left and you can't listen to scientists because they're liars and they're heathens and they're liberals and you can't listen to them. It's, it's a very, it's a strange dichotomy that we have going on in this country. And all that's going on. Meanwhile, you have civilians surviving on three liters of water a day in, in, in the camps. Outside of Fallujah. Outside right. of Fallujah. Yeah, of course. In hundred, what do you think the temperature is in the Iraqi desert in the summer? But three liters of water. That's it. I don't have no idea what liters are, but how it, much is that? I, I think it comes out to be like three gallons or well, whatever. Well, how much is this polar seltzer orange vanilla? Oh, by the way, this is one liter. Okay, yes. so if you guys have ever seen the video of me, well, that's a lot. Three liters of water is a lot. I, it's not great. It's not unlimited water. Per person? Are you saying per family? What, what are we doing here? I don't exactly know the math. I'm assuming it's per person. I mean, if you Google polar seltzer, by the way, tweet at polar seltzer. Let them know. Somebody did that this week where polar seltzer favorited the tweet. And then, you know, I talk about them every week. Orange vanilla. It's a wonderful flavor. It's my original, my favorite one. This is a liter bottle of like the classic size of polar seltzer is a liter. Yes. So three of these, you could live on three bottles of polar seltzer a day. I drink like one a day Mm -hmm. plus other water, you know. I understand your point, though. I'm not trying to minimize these people. They're out in the middle of nowhere with no hope potentially of going home. They've been extricated from their homes a number of times. Of course, I'm not minimizing the struggle. But okay, three liters of water, it's better than just one, you know? 
All right. Well, I mean, you know what, Joey? What do you want me to do? I, I'm sorry. It's not a lot of water. You're no, right. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> um, all right. Well, anyway, so we'll keep our eye, obviously, on this Fallujah situation. It appears that ISIS is, uh, you know, retreating. I don't know how how damaged they are, but we'll, we'll keep our eye on mm-hmm. it. This goes hand in hand with the ISIS stuff. It goes hand in hand with invading Iraq. It goes hand in hand with the United States getting involved in, in conflicts that we really have nothing to do with. It goes hand in hand with regime change, which is something that we've talked about a lot and came up a lot during the debates and most assuredly will come up a lot during the presidential debate. And we still do it. Well, absolutely. And it's also going to tie into what we got about Hillary Clinton in a few minutes about from WikiLeaks, which is wild. All right. According to a joint New York Times Al Jazeera investigation, weapons sent into Jordan by the CIA and Saudi Arabia intended for Syrian rebels have been systematically stolen by Jordanian intelligence operatives and sold on the uh, black market. They're geniuses. Whose geniuses? Those uh, Jordanians, the officials. Well, yeah, they were just like, oh, look at this. They sent a whole box of toys here. Why don't we just take them? Yeah. This is what happens when you talk when you hear people talk about arming rebels and let's have regime change. Like this this is the this is part of the consequence. Some of the stolen weapons were used in a November shooting in Amman, Jordan, which killed five people, including two Americans. Jordanian officers used the money they got from selling the uh, the weapons on the black market to buy expensive SUVs, iPhones, and more. Yeah, that's what you do with money. You buy shit, yeah. Uh, the black markets have been flooded with Kalashnikov assault rifles, mortars, and grenade launchers. That's the shit that got stolen. But again, the the fine, the corruption happens. I understand that. But that's the problem with going, yeah, these rebels seem to be on our side or whatever. Yeah, for like, now. yeah so let's just ship weapons over there and see what happens. Yeah, there could be a lot of problems. Who knows if the rebels had something to do with it? Do you know what would be interesting in this case, too? What? Is the fact that if we did have those special triggers on the guns that people who shouldn't be using them can. Mm, the smart guns. Yeah, smart guns. I think smart guns would have been very, uh, couldn't be used as well. No, of course not. Right. But yeah, I mean, there's some, yeah, I mean, there's some problems to that. Obviously, you'd have to go over there and like fingerprint all the you know, the rebels or whoever mm-hmm. they but, but right. Yes. At least then they can't be used in a way that is, uh, not what we intended, or you'd have to like really fucking figure it out mm-hmm. to, to try to get that done. Um, th- I mean, that's what I have to say about it. But, but again, when you hear arm the rebels, it sounds good because a, a lot of shit in the United States gets painted as very black and white. There's bad guys and there's rebels and the rebels are fighting the bad guys. So we should back the, the rebels. But it's never just that clear, especially in the Middle East when there's a lot of different factions. There's a lot of different religions. There's a lot of different tribal problems. Like You, you can't just say they're on team A, they're on team B. It doesn't necessarily work like that. Well, also, the, the, the thing that's interesting about this story is I'm shocked that the dealers didn't keep their mouth shut. They started bragging to the customers that they had the American weapons and they were selling them. To me, that seems like you want to keep that hush-hush. Maybe, but they got away with it. That's the thing. Yeah. you know, like that's the thing. They know how are you really going to f- figure out who did it? Because obviously, if there's a bunch of Jordanian operatives that had access to these weapons, they're probably higher ups or whatever. They can cover this shit up. Yes, but you have to also keep in mind that there has to be a paper trail. No, there doesn't have to be a paper trail. ISIS keeps all there their- has to be a trail of what time that boat came, what's on the boat. Uh huh. 
And what happened to it when it got off the boat? No, there doesn't. Well, yeah, they could have been on a on a a, a truck on its way somewhere, and then the <laughs> truck gets hijacked. Who knows? You know, and it fell off the truck. Yeah, and then we talk about ISIS's warehouses full of cash being blown up. What do you think? They're paying with a credit card or something? They're just handing them a thing of cash. I mean, like, thank you. I bought a grenade launcher, and it's not just again. I, I brought up ISIS. It's not even ISIS necessarily. It could be a random group of three guys that are trying to curry favor with other terrorist groups or what you know it's like it's it's a very complicated thing at play so to just equip rebels that have nothing to do with us and act like they're going to be part of our team is silly that's what happened with bin laden you know like during uh, the gulf war where we armed uh you know certain different groups that bin laden was involved in and then we got out of there yep okay and then you create an enemy and that's what we do with all of these things when we start creating enemies the unintended consequences are huge and to top that off, you're the one who gave them the gun. <laughs> right. Absolutely. Right. And they're using the money. That's what's even crazier. How like the corporate system works out. It's a corporation that makes these guns. Then they have a contract with the United States. They and or whatever the CIA and the Saudis. Then they in turn send these guns over to Jordan. It gets intercepted. The, the guns get sold on the black market and then the money goes back into the pocket of Apple because they're buying iPhones and fucking Range Rovers. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like Jesus Christ. And who comes out on top? Just the manufacturers, just the owners of society, the people that are making the most money anyway. And we're all going to pay the consequences in privacy and terrorism and whatever and it blood. is. You know, and blood, right. It's a crazy world, Joey. And, and it just keeps spinning and spinning, you know? Um, all right. Let me tell you this. Yes. We've got a sponsor on today's podcast, which I'm very excited about. It's a credit to the listeners because we're, our numbers are going up, which we really appreciate. We Thank love the guys. engagement that we're getting from you guys. Um, so support the sponsor. You know, they're supporting us. It's cool. We like to keep getting sponsorships. I don't know, you know, where, where, when they're going to come or whatever, but we have one today and we're really happy about it. So let's, let's talk about our sponsor. Uh, we'll take a quick break. We'll come back. We'll talk about Hillary Clinton. We'll do a 2016 update. Does that sound good to you? Yes. A great business needs a stunning website, and with Wix.com, you can do it all by yourself. Wix.com makes it easy to look amazing online, no matter what type of business you're in. Show off your images in a beautiful gallery, grow your contact list, and get all your social media in one place, just the way you want. Your customers are going to love it. So what are you waiting for? Show the world what you can do. Go to Wix.com and create your stunning website today. It's easy and free. Hey guys, it's Jim Norton. I'm Matt Sarah! I made that up. Matt's not here. He's out hanging out with Dana while I'm in the fucking hot studio in New York. He's gallivanting. We're hosting the new UFC podcast, UFC Unfiltered. It's going to come out every Tuesday and Thursday. And pretty much we're going to be talking about the upcoming fights, the fights that have just passed, and interview fighters, get the exclusive on certain things. We're going to talk a lot of UFC, MMA in general, and a lot of other stuff, whatever we're really fully like talking about. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever else podcasts are. I don't know where you get your podcast. It's not my business. Just tune in so Matt and I don't get fired. All right, Joey. This is an interesting story from... We talked about it a couple of weeks ago. WikiLeaks, uh, Julian Assange came out saying that he was going to release a lot more Hillary Clinton emails. Nice. That took place. 30,000 new Hillary Rodham Clinton emails have been released by WikiLeaks. There's a searchable database if you guys want to take a look at that. It's kind of interesting to be able to see all this stuff. WikiLeaks.org slash Clinton dash emails. And you can go on there and you can search. Just type in a name. You can type in Dikembe Mutombo and see if she had any communication with him. Or oh, I was going to say Monica Lewinsky. Monica Lewinsky. Sure. That'd be an incredible conversation. Uh, notably, 
This is one of the things that I want to get into from the the release. Now, more and more stuff will come out as people are digging through it. Obviously, it's 30,000 emails. But notably, Hillary Clinton pushed for Syrian regime change as a proxy strike against Iran in defense of Israel. What were we just talking about? It's getting involved in these things that we really don't have anything to do with. Mm-hmm. Um, regime change is always going to be a bad idea because then you are arming rebels by necessity. It's the people against the regime. Um, I'm going to read from the email, okay? Mm-hmm. This is a U.S. State Department unclassified document that, that was released by WikiLeaks. Could you do me a favor, read it as Hillary? <laughs> no. <laughs> Come no, on. It's too, it's too long. I would. Right? Okay. Um, keep this in mind. Syria didn't attack the United States. Um, Syria is a sovereign country, okay? Mm-hmm. So you can't just unilaterally decide we should attack Syria or we should stir up trouble. I mean, you can, but it's illegal. Uh, this is this is from the State Department. This is when Hillary Clinton is the head of the State, uh, State Department, um, November 30th, 2015, okay? Okay. The best way to help Israel deal with Iran's growing nuclear capability is to help the people of Syria overthrow the regime, regime of Bashar Assad. Negotiations to limit Iran's nuclear program will not solve Israel's security dilemma, nor will they stop Iran from improving the crucial part of any nuclear weapons program, the capability to u- enrich uranium, which, by the way is really interesting. I, I don't have the dates necessarily, but that seems to say that no matter what was going to happen with the Iran nuclear program, they still were like, no, we got to do this because it's not going to help Iran no matter what. Listen, uh, Israel, excuse me. When, when Hillary Clinton gets something in her mind, she does it. Yeah. And let me point this out. I just want to be clear. This is not Hillary Clinton writing this email. This is stuff in Hillary Clinton's email, but this is when she's at state. Oh, okay. that, you know what I'm saying? So gotcha. it's not like this is her saying it exactly, but obviously she's involved in this decision-making process. Bringing down Assad would not only be a massive boon to Israel's security, it would also ease Israel's understandable fear of losing its nuclear monopoly. Then, Israel and the United States might be able to develop a common view of when the Iranian program is so dangerous that military action could be warranted. Right now is the combination of Iran's strategic alliance with Syria and the steady progress in Iran's nuclear enrichment program that has led to Israeli leaders to contemplate a surprise attack, if necessary, over the objections of Washington, which is a huge thing to hear that Israel would consider attacking Iran over a nuclear program they don't have, even if the United States says don't do it, despite the fact that the United States would have to jump in after them and we send them weapons and cash and all this stuff. That, that's, that's a big revelation. Isn't that like trying to set the world on fire? Yeah, kind of. You're starting World War Three, essentially. Israel just just deciding to attack Iran without provocation, like without military provocation. That's insane. And keep this shit in mind, because if this is the mindset of Hillary Clinton, what do you think is going to happen? I've said it a number of times. We will be at war no matter who, no matter which one of the two gets into office. Do, do you know what's actually shocking about all this? We wouldn't have even seen this email if she didn't delete it. We wouldn't even have an idea that this was going on. I don't know if that has. I don't know if that's the case, but it could. It could easily be one of the ones that she. I don't know, but whatever. It's, yeah. it's from her emails. With Assad gone and Iran no longer able to threaten Israel through its proxies, it is possible that the United States and Israel can agree on red lines for when Iran's program has crossed an unacceptable threshold. In short, the White House can ease the tension that has developed with Israel over Iran by uh, by doing the right thing in Syria, which is crazy. I mean, that's saying we can curry favor again with Israel, even though what the fuck did we do to make Israel not trust us, really? I mean, we've said nothing but our relationship with Israel is ironclad. Super strong. 
we have to do what's right, though, as the United States. You're not jeopardy. Israel's got to stand on its own two feet as well. It doesn't mean that we're not going to defend them or help them or be a, a strong ally, but it's crazy to tie our fortunes so tightly with Israel that we have to now attack Syria to make Israel comfortable over Iran. That's the type of twisted logic that needs to be worried about, especially about somebody like Hillary Clinton. Trump, I don't know. I don't even know what the fuck Trump's thinking about, but we're going to get to that a little later. Trump is not going to be president. Hillary is. And this is part of the mindset that she'll have as president. And it's part of the mindset that she'll accept from people in the Joint Chiefs of Staff, Secretary of Defense, all this stuff. This is what she's going to go with as a mindset. Let's attack a random country. Also, the other thing, too, is this is something that she's been thinking about since 2015. Before or maybe that, even of course, before, before that. that. That's when the document's from, but who the fuck knows? So when you're focusing all your energies on something, you're more bound to actually do it. Yeah, of course. Well, that's the whole argument about nuclear weapons. Like, if we all have nuclear weapons, sooner or later somebody's going to want to use them. That's the idea of drawing down the nuclear arsenal to zero as a goal. Because what? It's the same, it's, you know, it's the same argument with the gun thing, where people go... I don't have a gun to kill anyone. I just have it for protection. Well, what are you going to do? Shoot him in the knee? You, you, it's like, mm-hmm. it's a gun. It's designed to kill people. That's really what it's, it's designed to kill something. Yes. So let's not pretend that's, you know, you don't have a car, so you have something to eat in at work that you can leave the office and go sit in the car. No, you have the car to drive. You have a yes. gun to shoot. You have weapons to attack. And I think Hillary is of that mindset. I talk about it all the time. She's a fucking war hawk. Arming, now here we go, Mm -hmm. arming the Syrian rebels and using Western air power to ground Syrian helicopters and airplanes is a low cost, high payoff approach, which that's the no fly zone. That's what she's talking about, right? Which we've heard a shitload about. Hillary talks about it. People on the right, they agree. No fly zone, arm the rebels. Terrible idea. High, low cost, high payoff. I don't know about that. As long as Washington's political leaders stay firm that no U.S. ground troops will be deployed. As long as Washington's political leaders stay firm that no U.S. ground troops will be deployed. But what if Hillary's in charge? Oh, they're going in. As they did in both Kosovo and Libya, the cost to the United States will be limited. Victory may not come quickly or easily, but it will come. And the payoff will be substantial. Who does that sound like? Does that sound a like... A businessman. It sounds like a goddamn businessman. Totally. It's a corporate mindset. It also sounds like George W. Bush. It sounds like the build-up to Iraq. It's going to be quick and painless. We're going to get in. They're going to welcome us as liberators. We're going to have fucking McDonald's and Starbucks in the middle of Iraq by, you know... It's like... We're going to get It's the that oil. idea. It might take a while, but the payoff is going to be crazy. I don't think it's going to be that hard. We're not going to... It's not a big risk on our part. Yeah, okay. Okay. Going into... The United States attacking Syria wouldn't alarm Iran, wouldn't alarm Russia. That wouldn't be a problem. How are you even going to sell that? Are you going to create um, a bullshit uh, set of circumstances why you have to go in, like WMDs mm-hmm. or Saddam being involved with bin Laden? That's what it sounds like, and that's the mindset. They, they come up with what they want to do, and then they work backwards from that to create a scenario how it can happen. Very dangerous. Very dangerous. I want to know, like... They're putting that Twinkie out in front of the fat kid, <laughs> and it's just sitting there. Yeah, this, like is, a, this is horrible. I like that you updated carrot and a stick. Yes, you, yes, you, yes, you yes. Twinkie and a fat boy. Uh, with all with the veil of fear lifted from the Syrian people, they seem determined. Now I skipped ahead a little bit. Yeah. With the veil of fear from the Syrian people, they seem determined to fight for their freedom. And America can can and should help them, and by doing so, help Israel and help reduce the risk of a wider war. Wow. That's crazy, man. And that's the same thing we said about Iraq. They're going to welcome us as liberators. Yeah. No, they're not. They are not. Mm. 
Yeah, it's it's chilling when you see the stuff because it's you, you see how the mentality is still there. But to the the thing that hooks me about this is the fact that they're not considering them even human beings. Like what the end result of all this would be. The amount of bloodshed that's going to be lost. Low risk to us. That's uh, unbelievable. It's unbelievable, but it's not unbelievable. What the pr- Again, the problematic thing is the right wing in the United States loves Israel. I mean, they pay lip service to the idea that they love Israel. They want to keep arming Israel. And a lot of it has to do with like the Christian base because they think that when Jesus comes back, we got to be over there. If we're not friends with Israel, we're not going to be able to be in Jerusalem where he returns and all this shit. For real. That's a yes. real thing. So they're, they're like insane into Israel. They just love it for whatever reason. But this is the left wing. The left wing is in charge when this memo is written. Yeah, so it doesn't... Oh. And they have the same mentality as people on the right. Why? Yeah. Because everyone's bought and sold for. Absolutely. They're being paid by the same... They're being influenced by the same groups of people. And they're not really concerned about democracy. What they're concerned about is how can we just strengthen our allegiance to these other countries and fuck with Iran and whatever. But it's really just a twisted logic. And keep it low risk. Yeah, but I mean, that's insane. Anytime you're dropping bombs on a country and you're getting involved, you're arming rebels. What happens if you arm the rebels? You arm Syrian rebels. Yeah. 10 years down the road, whatever happens, they they decide now the United States abandoned them because then, because now you're committed. Once you commit to it, you got to stay in because when you pull out, they tend to get pissed off at you and go, you fucking abandoned us here. We need more weapons. Mm -hmm. Oh, sorry. I can't do it. And now, now you have a whole bunch of people, Syrian rebels that have maybe taken over Syria and now they hate us too. Oh, and then you have a bunch of kids that lost their parents. Yep. Absolutely. And you have to avenge them somehow. Totally. That's the collateral damage that we're always talking about. And that's, that's real. That's the legitimate part of this. So that's a fucking, I mean, it's crazy, right? That's a troubling thing to read. Meanwhile, House Republicans released their 800-page report on Benghazi on Tuesday after two years and $7 million. No new evidence that Hillary Clinton is directly directly culpable in the deaths of four Americans at the U.S. Embassy there Seriously? in 2012. $7 million and they couldn't get one thing on her? No. Jesus. The Obama administration, based on this report, did lie about the sequence of events on the ground and the cause in the aftermath. They talked about the guy, the idiot in Jacksonville, burning the Quran uh-huh. as one of the reasons, but it turns out, no, this was just a planned attack on the embassy and it had nothing to do with that. Immaterial. I mean, it's something that we can get into another time. The main point is, y- you got nothing on Hillary, okay? And and so waste the time. The Benghazi thing, as far as I'm concerned, and as as I've been concerned the whole time, not a factor. I mean, no. it's not like again, Hillary Clinton was not directly responsible for that. If anything, Obama's probably more responsible for it because he's probably getting more, you know, real time information and then Man, deciding is, yeah. how to react in the moment. You know. Uh, this recalls to me the the Cy Hirsch article that we read about the Bin Laden raid, how they made up a story essentially that that isn't necessarily true, but that's a story that went out there and people bought. Same idea with this. So yeah. it kind of ties into that type of idea where the Obama administration is not afraid to make up a more of a story than you know what actually happened and, and fudge the facts a little bit. Hillary Clinton, though, really not anymore. She's culpable as any secretary of state would be. It's not like she had her fucking fingers on everything and she should go to jail. It's crazy. You know, they're, they're yeah. just grasping at straws. It's not the case. 
Seven million dollars, my God. Yeah, because it's a f- because that's how they're justifying staying in office and raising money. Be like, we're gonna get Hillary on Benghazi. We'll stay on this. And it's like, in uh, two years, that's wasted time that you could put your energy somewhere else. Yeah, like repealing Obamacare. But that's the thing. Everything they do is just a way. It's it is a is a political posturing waste of time. Do something real. Legalize weed. Right? That's a yeah. state's rights issue, supposedly. That's an individual individual freedom. Take that up. Forget this shit, because you're not going to put Hillary Clinton in jail. It's not going to happen. <sighs> I forgot. We had a Supreme Court abortion ruling. Let's get into that. Then we'll do the 2016 update. Sound okay. good? Yeah. This is an interesting one. Not interesting, but I think it's a good one and an important one. On Monday, the Supreme Court ruled 5-3, which is mm. precedent, in striking down an unconstitutional part of a restrictive Texas statute designed to deny access to abortion, even though abortion has been legal since 1973. Of course, the landmark Roe versus Wade case. Stephen Breyer was writing for the majority uh, in Whole Woman's Health versus Hellerstead, which is the case. Um, oh, wait, did I skip a quote here? Doesn't matter. Okay. This is Stephen Breyer on the uh, the decision. We conclude that neither of these provisions offers medical benefits sufficient to justify the burdens upon access that each imposes. Each places a substantial obstacle in the path of women seeking a... Pre- uh, pre-viability abortion each constitutes an undue burden on abortion access and each violates the federal constitution yeah because abortion's legal mm-hmm. and the the supreme court no matter how conservative they are they can't just make up law they they see that this is not you know roe versus wade set the precedent and they can't they're not just going to overturn that now because some of these dumb states want to get rid of it no it's legal you have to allow it yeah but the state's trying to come up with uh, a walk around to make sure it is as increasingly impossible to get the actual abortion. Of course, and the Supreme Court was like, "No, you can't. You can't do that. It's con- they're they're guaranteed the right to do this now. We we said it's okay." Uh, the five that voted for it: Breyer, Kennedy, who's again a Reagan appointee, but a swing vote for the most part. Sotomayor, Kagan, and Ginsburg against the three conservative justices: Thomas, Alito, and Roberts. So that's how that went down. Uh, but good. Yeah. Stop trying to restrict abortion. We were at a party a couple of weekends ago. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know what I'm talking about? And we ended up talking about politics a little bit. It was a good conversation. And for whatever reason, abortion came up. I don't really remember why. I think we were referencing another time that we had all argued about abortion and whatever. And I was very surprised. Someone that we were friends with that we like grew up with was very, um, like, anti-abortion I, I, I was i was taken aback by how um illogical the argument was essentially about like you know we got to protect life and all this stuff which i i guess i understand that but it's a religious point of view what if you're but this is always the argument i bring up what if you're buddhist or hindu and you believe in reincarnation then we don't really have to protect life because you're coming back yes it's just part of your karmic journey and it's all part of this i don't know i, I was just surprised by the whole abortion thing and it's still surprising like shocks me that there are people that still want to try to overturn. It is what it is. Like this argument has been had over and over and over again. And it's a religious argument. That's fine. If you don't want to have an abortion, God bless you. Don't, but there's plenty of people that maybe do want to, it's not religious to them and it's their choice. I don't understand that whole logic. And uh, before you jump Mm -hmm. in, Joey, the rest of the argument was, because we were talking about the minimum wage and this person opposes the minimum wage and opposes uh, healthcare for all and all this mm-hmm. stuff. Oh, okay, so you only care about the life. 
until it comes out of the vagina. And then once it's out in the world, it's like, well, you fend for yourself, fucker. You better adapt to this capitalist system uh, and pull your own weight. But when it's in the mother, no, 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 no. We have to protect that sweet baby. Well, that's because the market's going to help the child. Well, right. Anyway, right. It's what you have to keep in mind is with abortion, it's always, no matter what, going to go back to a religious issue. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Until you can prove when life starts. Yes. And also a lot of people believe that that child deserves to be born and needs to be protected. That's why a lot of people get heated because in their view, no one's looking out for that child. Yeah, of course. But in my view, nobody's looking out for that child for when it's like we're okay saying, look, man, there's winners and losers. You know, some people just need to work harder. They shouldn't be on food stamps. No, we got to cut entitlements. Okay, that's still that baby. Fuck it. It just got older. Mm -hmm. Now it's just a person who actually has emotions and dreams and hopes and feelings and fears and all that stuff. And aspirations. It's a fetus that you're talking about. And I can get behind an abortion ban after a certain point in time. Mm -hmm. I understand that. Because I do understand that, yes, once there's a fertilized egg, it will grow up to be a a person. Yes. You know what I mean? I I do understand that. But then these people are adopting the idea of a soul and all this stuff. It's like, that is unprovable. It, It is just not something that we should be able to put into law. It's crazy. Look, I'm pretty sure you, you've you always heard the argument that after a body dies, after a person dies, the body weighs significantly less. Really? I yes, if you, it's, it's like a half of an hour. Is this a Will Smith movie you're talking about? No, seriously. Uh, you can I, look I it up. Know. Okay, I'm not going to look it up, but okay. you look it up. Um, but the point is, some people believe that that is the soul, and when you die, that's the evidence that the soul is actually there. Sure. If yeah. that's true, I can't, can't tell you that. Right, and that's the thing, like, you can believe it. You could feel it. I can feel, you know what I mean? It's like, I don't, am I, am I my body? Am I residing behind the third eye? You know what I mean? Am I, am I witnessing all this stuff as a, whatever, forget it. But that's the thing. You can't prove it. So you can't make it law. You can't make everybody else believe what you believe. I was just, t- I, you know, just an aside, mm-hmm. obviously, but I, I was really shocked by that. Like the, the ardent belief that like, no, we, we have to protect these. It's like, all right. I don't know why you feel that way. That's crazy. But why don't you want to protect human beings? All right. No, it's a very valid question. <laughs> right. Like, why, why is it? Because it's, yeah, I, I don't know. Because it's, I can't wrap my head around it. I understand, like, but, but then why don't you have that feeling carry through to everything? Because there's another friend of ours that is very religious or conservative, whatever, uh, that we've butted heads a billion times. But at least in his defense, he's against the death penalty, too. Yes. He's against abortion. He's against the, okay, fine. At least that's consistent morally where you go. Yeah. I think we need to protect all lives. Fine. Um, but shit, I don't understand how you wouldn't want to get behind that, a, a, a decent standard of living for everybody. It's, it's a, it's a great question that I've always asked myself. It's just, I, and then even, yeah, it just doesn't make sense because you only care for the child to be born and then afterwards you just walk away. Right. And do we are we caring about any of the kids that are getting blown up in any of these other countries? Like it's it's just it's a very like western religious ideology. Well, also I I think it becomes more of a talking point than it is a way to find a solution to it. 
Well, because it's inarguable. And that's the thing. I'm not saying that babies don't have souls. I'm not saying Jesus isn't real. I don't know. I mean, I, I believe probably not. It's sort of a silly story, but fine. I'm not way. I'm not, I'm not ruling that out completely, but I don't know. So I'm not prepared to tell everybody else. You have to do what I'm saying because I'm right. I don't know that. And neither the fucking you. So don't, don't pretend that it's this like logical conclusion that you're coming to when it's really just a belief that you have and you want to force everybody else to follow that belief. No, that's not how this works. All right. You want to get to a 2016 update, Joey? Yes, I do. Um, do you want to start with the new information that I sent you earlier today? We were talking about it before we came in. Whatever, I'm being vague. Let's just start with that. Okay. Nate Silver at 538, who we always talk about, he's called the last three presidential elections uh, to like fraction, like very accurately. He was very right about all the primaries and everything. Uh, he has Hillary Clinton, 81% chance of becoming president. Donald Trump, 19%. That's hmm. now. That's before debates. That's before all this other shit. You got to feel like Hillary Clinton is going to be the president. You know what? As we've seen in the past... Hillary's numbers only go down. Not true, Joey. She won. <laughs> That's over. That's not true anymore. It's going to continue going down. All right. Uh, I want to put that out there. Obviously, we'll keep following Nate Silver. I trust his numbers, and I think that's that sounds right. I mean, Trump, 19 sounds high for me, but okay. Hillary's got a legitimate chance of becoming president here. The Democratic Party's platform drafting committee began on June 24th. We talked about Bernie getting a say. He got to put five people on the committee. Um, you know, to kind of like yeah. promote his platform and, and that movement's platform. Some of the things that have come up for a vote and have been shot down so far. Now, remember, they put Bernie's people on to be like, yep, yeah, you know, look, Bernie had a great, great run here. Let's give him a say. Let's try to incorporate this movement. The $15 minimum wage lost eight to six. The five Sanders appointees voted yes. The Hillary Clinton slash Debbie Wasserman Schultz, uh, committee members voted against it. Climate proposals didn't go anywhere. They voted against a carbon tax. No, we're not mm -hmm. going to adopt that TPP adjustments. No, they're not going to be part of the democratic platform this year. Medicare for all. Nope. We're not. No, we're not going to do that. That's not going to work. Uh, Bill McKibben, who is, um, you know, one of the people that Bernie put on the committee mm -hmm. for him, ha uh, had a couple of quotes about it. I asked you to check out this article. Joe, you got anything about Bill McKibben? Yes. Again, Bernie, thanks, buddy. Pat him on the head, but Hillary's going to do what she wants. Now, this is how he felt, and he wrote, which is why we need not platitudes, but a platform, not aspirations, but commitments, not happy talk, but the fully adult conversation that Sanders engaged the country in for the past year. And that's not what happened. For nine hours, they put up an agenda that was very progressive, yep. and it got struck down. Yeah, right. At every possible turn. Nine hours in St. Louis. Wow. That's a progressive that likes to get stuff ju done, Joey. That's, that's Hillary's thing. That's the thing. Yeah, status uh, quo is yeah, getting things done. Not a progressive, then. A no. moderate, like I'm always talking about. And this is the proof is in the pudding. You couldn't adopt one of those? Not one? Not one progressive policy that Bernie ran on? Well, they did vote yes to some things. Like what? The death penalty. Everybody was on board with that. What do you mean? Like against the death penalty? Yeah, they, they want to abolish it. Okay, so that's one. Well, okay, now again, this is just stuff that they're going to come out and say they're for. Yeah, the platform. Whether anything gets on, right, the platform. So, okay, good. I'm glad that that's included. Okay, uh, as as uh, breaking 
virtually enacting an act that would help with breaking up the banks and having a better modern day Glass-Steagall Act. They all okay, voted I mean, yes on that. Th- that I guarantee you will not be happening if Hillary Clinton's president. No way. I mean, maybe if Elizabeth Warren is involved, you can get something done there, but it will not have the teeth that it would have had if you know Bernie was in office, for sure. There's no doubt about that. Correct. It's just... It's, see, because like Hillary Clinton keeps on saying all these things and it seemed like she was trying to match Bernie. But it's all just talking points. Well, of course that's what she was trying to do. We talked about it in so many of the debates where Bernie would be like, I I think we should break up the banks. And she'd be like, well, of course we were in agreement. But no, we're not. Because you're you're saying it after somebody else said it. She's never ahead of things. She's always after. And that's the fucking problem. And never any solutions. Look, she'll be able to get legislation passed. It's going to be the same type of shit as like Obamacare or whatever, which yeah, is a monumental thing to be able to actually get something like that passed, but it's not what we needed. It it solves a problem that we don't have necessarily. Mm. It just gives the the industry more customers, really is what happens. Um start where where everybody gets healthcare. Mm-hmm. That it's an actual system that you're putting in place and then work your way backwards from that. Hillary is not going to do that. She's going to have industry lobbyists writing things for her. It, it's going to be a very corporatist presidency that's how it's going to work out so She'll nothing be, changes no i mean incre- very slow incremental change i'm sure uh but yeah i mean not, nothing 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 even close to what bernie was right like a progress a true progressive agenda no way so then what happens to and war well, again sprinkle war on top of that because i guarantee you hillary clinton is in a war within her first you know term so what happens to those six out of seven bernie supporters that want a more progressive agenda. Do they just side with Hillary Clinton, just write her in? Yeah, they're going to vote for Hillary, sure. Yeah, they're going to vote for Hillary. Just of like course, that. because you know, you're know you not going to vote for Trump. Again, the politics of fear are going to work in, in her favor um, because she's going to ramp it up too and be like, you know, Trump, sh- and rightfully so, but Trump shouldn't have his finger on a nuclear weapon, uh, you know, all that stuff. And then she'll just go with the social shit. She'll hit with the Trump hates gays, Trump hates women. You know, it's yeah. like, there you go. And then it's very it's very easy to, to beat him. And that's why she has an 81% chance of winning. But right, it's not gonna be a progressive agenda. No way. To get a real progressive in, you need a progressive in to to do yes. away with a lot of this, you know, corporate money that pours into politics. That's the fucking real problem. And it's not gonna be addressed with Hillary Clinton. That's insane. Or the delegates for that matter. No, and the delegates tried, but See, see, my question about that, though, is it like Hillary sat down with the delegates? and Because the delegates can vote any way they want. So I guess they... What, delegates but, on the drafting committee? Yeah. Well, yeah, but if they're, if, if I appoint you, Joey, to go be my representative on a drafting plan, mm-hmm. you're not just going to... I mean, you might, but you're not... Like, I'll tell you, like, no, these are the five things that I really want to get done. And stick to these five Yeah, things. you're going to stick to those things, of course. Otherwise, why would I send you there? But that's how it works. That's politics. You know, you got to curry favor with people and form alliances and be like, you scratch my back, I'll scratch, scratch yours. yours. You know, that's how it works. Which is fine. That's part of the game. The problem is when you have really moneyed players in that game, just corrupting the game by buying out pieces. You know what I mean? That's, yeah. that, that's the issue. Uh, because the, in the marketplace of ideas, the better ideas theoretically will win. Whoever can make the better argument will win 
if you're playing on an even playing field, but we're not playing on an even playing field. That's because, what you keep seeing over and over again. Because at the end of the day, it kept on being seven to six. Right. Yep. That's why they gave him five. <laughs> yep. You know, because there was one person that ended up from Hillary's people yeah. or whatever that ended up voting with them a few times. But that's a symbolic vote. They're still going to lose. She knows that. Uh, Susan Sarandon. I want to get into this. We're, we're almost done. We got a couple of seconds okay. here. She has caught some shit over the last few months. She's a big Bernie supporter. Uh, she was quoted the other day, other day as saying, I'm not convinced. I'm not with her. I'm going to see what happens, which I admire. Uh, Susan Sarandon. She's not with, with uh, Hillary Clinton. Um, she keeps getting like shit from people on the left being like, she's going to support Trump. And they keep referencing this interview she did with Chris Hayes, mm -hmm. which I saw. Um, and I just want to play that part of the, the clip. Okay. Because I like Susan Sarandon more than I knew now that she came out with Bernie, some of the stuff that she said, and you'll see her in this clip. All right. Hot seat right now. Name three movies that she was in. Go. Um, Dead Man Walking. Mm -hmm. And I'm out. I'm not You're a big out. Susan Sarandon okay, acting just, uh, fan. What checking. am I going to watch all of her movies? I don't know. You could have said The Client. You could have said oh, Children of Dune. The Client. What? You could have said Children of Dune. She's in Children of Dune? Yes. I didn't know that. All right. Well, whatever. So nobody knew. Doesn't matter. But you're, Rocky you're, Horror Picture Show. Rocky Horror Picture Show. Okay. There you go. Um, I want to play the clip of her because okay. let's just dispel the rumor, at least for our listeners. She didn't say she was going to support Trump. We'll listen to what she actually had to say, and then we'll talk about mm -hmm. it. Uh, and then we'll move on. I just have like a quick... Uh, you know, Trump thing at the end here. Let me just say, I actually had a couple of notes. She's been accused a million times. Possibly. Oh yeah. Okay. All right. So let's just play this clip. Uh, it's like a minute and then we'll talk about it. How's that sound? Sounds great. I probably should have queued it up before I, I started talking. You could have said Thelma and release too. That, that would have got you a lot of bonus points. Well, you're saying it. We're giving her credit here. All right. This is uh, Susan Sarandon on all in with Chris Hayes, like a while it's ago. And this is where all the controversy came about her potentially supporting Trump. It's like, she's not, Millions and millions of dollars. I don't. I think that's being incredibly naive and egotistical to think suddenly she's going to see the right. You know. Right, but aren't, isn't the isn't the question always in an election about choices? Right. I mean, I think a lot of people think to themselves, well, if it's Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton, um, and I think Bernie Sanders probably would think. This. I think Bernie would probably <laughs> encourage people because he doesn't have any ego in this thing. But I think a lot of people are sorry. I just can't bring myself to to do that. How about you personally? I don't know. I'm going to see what happens. Really? Really. I, I cannot believe that as, as you're watching the rock. Well, you know, Donald some Trump people feel Donald Trump will bring the revolution immediately. If he gets in, then things will really, you know. Oh, you're explode. saying the, 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 the Leninist model of yeah. heighten the contradictions? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Some people <laughs> feel that. Don't you think that's dangerous? I think that what's going on now, if you think that it's pragmatic to shore up the status quo right now, then you're not in touch with the status quo. The status quo is not working. And I think it's dangerous to think that we can continue the way we are with a militarized police force, with privatized prisons, with the death penalty, with a low minimum wage, with threats to women's rights, and think that you can't do something huge to turn that around because the country is is not in good shape if you're in the middle class it's disappearing and you look if you want to go see michael moore's documentary you'll see it's pretty funny the way they describe it but you'll see that health care you know and education in all these other countries we've been told for so long that it's we impossible it's like we've been in this bad relationship and now we have to break up with the guy because we realize we're worth it we can we should have these things we have to stop prioritizing war and i don't like the fact that you 
she talks about Henry Kissinger as being her, you know, go-to go guy for, for, and the stuff that's happened in Libya and other things I don't think is good. Now, did she say she's going to vote for Donald Trump? She nope. was saying, I can't vote for Hillary, and a mm. lot of people think. That's all. Yeah, just jump into a conclusion. Of course, and that's the left. That's the fucking left, like the left, quote, liberal media uh, going after her like she's some kind of idiot because she wants to support Bernie over Hillary. Meanwhile, that shit is sexist by assuming that because she's a woman, like, how dare she go against Hillary? Like, are you, what are you, crazy? And she didn't say she was going to vote for Trump. She's not going to vote for Trump. If she's for all those things, she wouldn't vote for Trump. She's not going to vote for Hillary. You, I respect that. That's fine. Didn't get the memo that all women have to vote for Hillary now? Well, yeah, and but then it's also sexist to imply that women are voting for Hillary because they're women. Oh, so you lose anyway. Yeah. Whatevs. Um, all right. Finally, Joey, Donald Trump's policy agenda, according to analysis by nonpartisan Committee for a Responsible Federal Budget, mm. published on Sunday, would come out to around $11.5 trillion in additional federal debt over 10 years. So how would he pay for that? He wouldn't. Oh. The ratio of debt to GDP would go from 75%, which it is now, mm -hmm. to 127%. Uh, the previous high was 110% in the 1940s when we were a little busy beating Hitler. <laughs> That'd be a great title. Beating Hitler? Beating Hitler. Yeah, we'll save it for the World War III. This, but you understand what I'm saying? So yes. Trump, even with all his stupid conservative ideology and repeating all this shit, he's actually going to spend so much money, theoretically, if all of his policy could get put into place. $11.5 over 10 years. Hillary Clinton, on the contrary, $1.4 over 10 years, offset by $1.25 in new revenue, according to the same study. So all these fiscal conservatives who are like, look, I'm socially liberal, but I'm fiscally conservative. Well, then you should vote for Hillary because she's socially liberal and actually is going to end up racking up way less debt than your boy, Donald Trump. So that, that's a, that's a fucking true thing. We can pretend it's not, but building a wall and deporting everyone and carpet bombing ISIS and doing all this other bullshit and banning Muslims and blah, 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 and really going after China, it's going to cost $12 trillion. Well, not only that, but also it's going to be with the tax breaks. Yes. And and because you have certain, like you have ex, expenditures. Ex, mm, expenditures. Certain, thank you. That you have to pay for that he's not taking to consideration. Of course not. So between that and the interest on the debt that we already owe, right. it just keeps on piling up. Of course. And again, I'm not somebody that thinks that we don't, we can run a deficit in this country for sure. That's fine. We can have debt. It's okay. That, that's how it works. Yeah, you want to limit it to a certain extent, but I, I'm really of the belief, like, I think we can just keep it keep it moving. But right, but Trump, Trump's not going to be have any concern for that. He just goes, we're going to make a fortune by by fixing the trade deals. No, you're not. Well, what are you talking That doesn't mean anything. Well, uh, on either side, they don't ever offer a plan even to start paying down the debt. The, that should be a conversation we should have. Maybe, or the reason they're not having is because it doesn't, we don't need to. I mean, again, I, the debt thing, it's not my, you know, economics is not my like forte, but I, of course, you can run a little bit of debt. You can run a little bit of deficit. I don't think it's a little bit of debt now. It, it's, you know, who's going to call that debt in? Is China really going to call our debt in? What are we going to do? The global market might indirectly call it in. But 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 apparently we live in a global marketplace where if uh, England leaves the European Union, we're all fucked anyway. So what difference does it make what we're doing? We might as well live high on the hog until uh, the whole world falls apart, right? I mean, what difference does it make? 
Money's going to be worthless if the economy collapses anyway. So mm-hmm. debt is use. It doesn't matter. It's imaginary. It's just a thing to like keep things sort of semi orderly, but we print money. <laughs> yes. We we literally print it. We can make more of it and we can just pretend it costs more. You know what I mean? It's worth more or whatever it is. There, there's different ways to manipulate the currency. Yeah, China does it. Not happening. Yeah. So the debt is sort of the same thing. It's this giant number that at the end of the day, who the fuck even really knows? Who knows where any of those those debts are due? That's yeah. how I feel about it. I don't know. All right, Joey. I'm done. You done? Yes, I'm done. Thank you, Samsonites, for listening to this podcast. We really appreciate it. Uh, thank you, Wix, for sponsoring this podcast. And support Wix, guys, if you have any interest in uh, some web hosting or designing your own website or whatever. Go on there, Wix.com. It's fun and easy. Uh, Joey? Mm-hmm. People can go on iTunes. They can subscribe to this podcast on there. They can leave us a rating, a uh, nice comment. They can subscribe. SoundCloud.com slash mandatory Samson. You can go on there. You can listen to the episode. You can leave a comment. We'll respond to those. Google Play. You can also email us, mandatory Samson at gmail.com. Twitter, Snapchat, and Instagram. I'm at Mansamp. Joey is Joey from Jersey. Jersey is spelled with the Z on Twitter and Snapchat. Reminder. No show next week, but MSP 88 will be coming July 15th, 2016. Johnny, thank you for producing the program, sir. We really appreciate it. Thank you. Hey, now. (laughs) Perfect. Um, So that's it. Got anything to say to the people, Joey? See you guys in two weeks. Yeah. Enjoy your July 4th, Patriots. (laughs) We'll talk to you in two weeks. Mwah. This has been a Stand Up Labs production powered by digital media. Subscribe to new and archive episodes wherever you listen to podcasts and find all of our shows at StandUpLabs.nyc. Stand clear of the closing doors, please. No, we out.